Hi, my name is Lindsay Adams, and you are listening to Mindful as a Mother. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for therapy or the therapeutic relationship, and the information given in this podcast is purely for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the advice of a professional. Hello and welcome back. Before we get started on this week's episode, which is a continuation of last week's episode about transitions, I just wanted to talk about a few little housekeeping items. The audio at the end of last week's episode got cut off, so I'm going to include the end of that, the beginning of this episode, and then we'll just continue on talking about adding a new child to your family. This week is really special to me because we are going to cover how to help your kids add a new child and foster care slash adoption, which is something I'm super passionate about. Also, the podcast is going to be changing just a little bit. We are going to start having guests on occasionally. I'm thinking about monthly, and I'm looking for mothers who have experienced hard things in different areas, who are experts in different areas to come on and talk about their life, their experience with motherhood, and how they have made motherhood work joyful for them in a mindful way. So I'm super excited about that, and I think that first episode with a guest will be coming in March. So stay tuned for that, and I really, really hope you enjoy this episode. That they could use my help and... I feel comfortable enough to say like, okay, I'm bringing you dinner or I'm doing this, just kind of like shut up and take it. (laughs) Um, Then I will. But if I don't, that's where like, I think sending something's really great, writing a card or a note or sending them a funny meme or a text just saying, hey, I'm thinking about you can be just as helpful as actually like stepping in and helping. So yeah, those are my tips for supporting a mom going through a transition and ways you can plan for a transition and support yourself during a transition. Um, Don't ever be afraid to like get a therapist either. That's like, let's normalize going to therapy and talking about these transitions. These are hard. They are super, super joyful, happy times, but they are freaking hard. And let's get all the support we can during this time. Um, so because the first two were so long, I definitely am going to split this in two episodes. So part two will be coming at you next week and our mom fails are up next. Okay, so we are going to talk about some ways that you can help your little ones cope with the transition of adding a new child to your family. And this could be in terms of like adding a foster sibling or adding a new baby. So the first tip I have is to start talking well in advance about the changes that are coming up and how things will be different. This will give your child time to mentally prepare for having a new baby in the house. If you're pregnant, this is a little bit easier because, you know, as your pregnancy is going on, you're talking about these things and how things will look. If you're fostering or adopting, it may take some more planning to talk about these things a little bit earlier and just say so-and-so is coming to live with us. This is what it's going to look like. This is how things will change. And then reassure them that you still love them just the same. They will still get just as much one-on-one time and that it's another person to love, but that doesn't change how you feel about them. 
another like side tip I have is if you have to move rooms, do it well in advance so that they don't so associate the moving of rooms with the new person coming in. So the example I'm going to give you is when we got our first foster child, I had to move Sam out of his room. We tried to do it like early enough so that that he wouldn't associate the two things together. So we got him moved out. We got his room cleaned out in him in his new room. And then we had her stuff like kind of all ready to go. It was empty for a little bit. And Sam would still say, this is Sam's room. And we'd say, no, that's going to be someone else's room. This is Sam's room and show him his new room. But she didn't like, we didn't move him. And then she came to live with us the next day because then he would associate losing his room or having to move with her. And we didn't want that. We wanted them to be two separate things. And so that's an important piece. I even think if you're adding a new baby or planning to like move nurseries or whatever, I know it's not always convenient, but trying to do it in advance so that they're not associating the two things, especially if you know the move is something that they're not going to be happy about. Some kids will be excited and so it won't matter matter all that much. I also think changing rooms is a big deal for kids. It takes them a long time to get used to their environment again, get used to sleeping in that space and settle down from them. And that's going to be a lot to handle for you as a parent if you do it at the same time as welcoming a new child into the home. So just like taking things one step at a time and getting that over with first will be really beneficial. The next thing is Plan special time for them before and after the the new baby comes or the new child comes into your life. So um, creating that time and making it regular and consistent enough that they know it will happen. So something you can do if you're adding a new baby is um, plan like 15 to 30 minutes a day of one-on-one time with your child. And I recommend this to all of the parent, all parents anyway, but just if you're not doing it or maybe extending it a little or doing something to make it more special during this transition time. So maybe it's during baby's nap time, you, we get to play whatever you want and you get to play just with mom or just with dad. Make sure you rotate both parents through this so they're getting the one-on-one time from both parents and it's make it super special, make it a big deal so that your child still feels like they're getting that attention, getting that love and nothing's changed. The one of the last tips I have is if it, this is their first sibling, get them a baby doll. I don't know why this is so helpful, but if they've never been around babies, it really is. Even if it's a boy. So Sam, we got Sam like a baby doll and I'm not big on gendering toys like we don't have girls toys and boys toys in our house we just have toys and they play with whatever I'm not big on that so um we we took him to the store we let him pick out his baby and so he picked out his baby and he carried it around with him and then when the babies came he would say Sam's baby mommy's babies and so he was able to make the connection of like and you can show him how you take care of a baby and you can have them help you meaning they take care of their baby while you take care of the other baby It's just a great way to introduce them to the baby situation. They also have classes, and I don't know how this is working with COVID for first-time siblings. And I think this really just depends on your age and the temperament of your child if you need them. Um, If the classes aren't accessible, I don't necessarily think they're necessary. I mean, we've been adding siblings to families forever without having a class on how to do it. 
But I do think that like planning and prepping for the emotional impact that this will have on your child is super, super important. And it's sometimes often overlooked because we get so caught up in prepping about for ourselves, prepping for the sleep, the schedule, getting all the stuff, getting everything ready that we sometimes maybe forget that we have other children that are going to be going through this transition with us. The last kind of tidbit I have is expect your child's behavior to spike, change, or maybe regress, be worse during this time. So while they're transitioning, I would just expect more outburst tantrums if your kids are in that age. If they're potty training, you can expect regression, sleep regressions, all of those things because it's such a big life-changing thing for these little guys and they just can't, their brain doesn't comprehend it in the same way we do and and how they express that they're struggling or that change is difficult for them is by acting out or regressing. So plan for that. Be ready for it and be patient with it. Just be patient and loving. And you can say to your kids, I know this is hard for you. This is so hard for mom too, but we're going to get through this together. Or we're going to make adjustments to help you feel better about things or have more one-on-one time or whatever you think that they need in that situation. Another point that I think is super important to talk about in this segment is that your child or children may not love the new sibling right away. I mean, they love them, but they may not be nice to them, keen on them, want to spend time with them, super helpful. And that's okay, right? I think sometimes we as parents, we just want them to be okay. And we want them to accept their new sibling. And we kind of push that. And really what we need to do in those situations is just give our children space to feel their feelings and not push them to have a relationship with their new sibling until they are ready. Remembering that different kids process things and go through changes differently. So you you may have one sibling that's like super helpful, super into it, wants to change diapers, wants to hold baby, and then another sibling that wants nothing to do with baby and doesn't necessarily like them. And that's okay. I think just letting them feel and be however they want to be in the situation is super important because that shows them two things. It shows them that you respect and will give them space to have their feelings. It models that for them. And it also shows that you can handle whatever feelings they have. So if you're not pushing them to change their feelings or act in a different way, you're modeling to your kids that I can handle whatever you throw at me and I can handle whatever uncomfortable feelings come up during this transition. Okay, now we're going to switch gears to foster care and adoption. This is not something I'm going to say I'm an expert in because I've had one foster child, but I have worked with kids in foster care for seven years. And I've worked with a variety of kids from ages like three to 17 with all areas of trauma with all types of histories, abuse, trauma, all of those things. And I've also worked in many different foster homes. So I feel like I have a really good and diverse perspective of what it's like to bring a foster child into your home and things you should know if this is something you're thinking about or planning on doing. 
The first tip I would give anyone thinking about fostering is to do a lot of research and take a lot of classes about parenting a child with trauma. And now I know they make you take foster care classes before you can foster, and those are really helpful and they have a lot of information that will help you in parenting. And they also talk about like licensing and how fostering works in the process. But also there's some suggestions for books and trainings that I have for you. The first is The Whole Brain Child by Dan Siegel. There's a lot of solid advice to teach you how to help a child regulate emotions and things like that in there. It it would be helpful with your own kids too. The second is to take a TBRI class. I think that that is really helpful in giving you solid skills to use to help children who've been through tough things and are emotional. In addition to that, I would just research attachment and um, what to do with like anxious attachment and how that's created. And I can do an episode on attachment, but um, just researching attachment and kids with trauma and what that looks like is super important because if you don't understand trauma and even if you're taking a two-year-old they're going to display signs of trauma and maybe have things be a little bit different than a quote-unquote typical or child without trauma. So recognizing that and learning everything you can about trauma and parenting a child with trauma before you welcome a child into your home. So after taking all the classes, reading all the books, being prepared, I want you to throw all of your expectations out the window. (laughs) I think we look at a kid with trauma and how we expect them to present and how we expect things to go. And then it's probably going to go nothing like that. And that is totally okay. Be prepared for behavioral issues in every aspect, right? Boundary pushing, lying, sneaking, all those things. And recognize that often kids do not display those behaviors uh, in with the intention of being mean or being naughty or hurting you. They do it as a trauma response and out of survival. So recognizing that the cause of their behaviors is the trauma and that what you read in the books is helpful, yes, but that things will may not always go that direction when you actually have a kid in your home. My next tip is to utilize all resources and support available to you, whether that's through the foster care system or extra agencies or things like that. I cannot stress this enough. Going into the situation, you may not think that you will need this extra support and then you will get into it and need it. So having the resources set up for you beforehand, whether that's like a mentor or tracker, respite care, which is like a place the kid can go so you can get a little bit of a break and spend one-on-one time with your, your other kids, just all of those things. So counseling, whatever support groups, whatever resources are available to you, use all of them or plan on using all of them. And then you can cut them back as you don't need them, but it's always easier to have them in place and take them away than to be burnt out and exhausted and try and find the resources. If you look at parenting a foster child as something that's a long haul, rather than like a short situation and planning for it to be long and time consuming and putting things in place to take care of yourself along the way, rather than trying to figure it all out when you're confused, burnout, exhausted, and tired. 
So I guess exhausted and tired are the same thing. Oops. Anyway, my next tip is kind of just like my golden nugget of foster care. And I say this all the time. And if you've worked with me as a foster parent, you, you know that I've said, I probably said this too million times. You cannot love the trauma out of a child. I'm going to say it again. You cannot love the trauma out of a child. They need to be loved. Yes. They need to be unconditionally accepted. Yes. But no amount of love will make that trauma go away or make them forget that trauma. And so they need behavioral interventions and support and possibly medication and all sorts of things to work through their trauma and therapy, obviously, but you can't just love them better. It just does not work. And if we go in knowing that, I feel like your expectations are so much more realistic than like, I'm going to take this kid into my home and everything's going to be great and rainbows and unicorns and fairies. And then when it's not, you're suddenly shocked by it, right? So keep that in mind throughout this journey. The other thing you can do is prepping your other kids for bringing a foster child into the home, talking to them about why it's important for you guys to foster and why you feel called to foster. And that's going to vary and be a personal experience uh, for every person. So, but I think it's important to have those open and honest conversations with your kids and talk about it doesn't mean you don't love them any less or that they're any less important. And things that will maybe change, but also things that will definitely stay the same for them. I also think it's good to have in your head like a an idea of what you're willing to accept versus what you're not willing to accept from a child that comes into your home. I think it's easier coming in and you can set that expectation with that child. So something that maybe would be an expectation would be like unsafe behavior in front of your other kids or sexualized behavior or running away. And I'm not saying that you just like cut a kid off because they do those things. I'm saying figuring out where your line is as a parent and when you can't take anymore beforehand makes the process a little bit easier because you can set those expectations with the child in your home and you know in your head where the boundary is and when maybe the time to call it quits is. And that's, I know that's a really hard decision for people. And that's something I probably could do a whole episode. I mean, I could seriously do a whole podcast on fostering, like, but that's a whole other thing. But when you are preparing to foster, thinking of that is very important because I think if you go in open-ended with no expectations, no boundaries, no limits, it is things can get really sticky really fast and all of a sudden you kind of are just like wait where are we and so if you have kind of this plan to follow can make it a little bit easier to make those decisions if and when the time comes now for adoption um and i'm talking adoption in from foster care and not from foster care and different ages right so adopting a baby recognize that this Adopting this baby is still potentially going to come with issues later in life, with attachment, with with genetics, with biological things, medical issues, all of the all of that stuff. So recognize that 
even if you adopt a baby at two days old, there still can be things that you have to deal with later on down the road that you weren't prepared for. And so keeping an open mind to that, that that's part of it. uh, Talking to your current kids about why adoption is important to your family. Now, if you're adopting from foster care and the child has lived in your home already, then obviously talking to your kids about like that person being a permanent member of your family. And most of the time they will be on board and love that child and want them to be a permanent part of the family. So it may not be as big of an issue, whereas adopting a a baby would be a different situation. So just talking about why that's important to you, what that means and how it will affect the family dynamic. Same thing as bringing a new baby home right? And and planning for struggles either with the child that you adopted, no matter the age, and your other child because it's a big change for everyone involved. So those are just some quick tips. Like I said, I could do a whole podcast on fostering and maybe I will do episodes here and there on fostering because I think it's important and I do think I have a lot of knowledge about it. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and now for my favorite part, the mom fails. Okay, I have two mom fails of my own this week, and I may have had more than two because every time something happened, I was like, I'm having a mom fail week. I am full of mom fails this week. So, but my two happened in the same day. It was a very rough day in the Adams house. Um, The first one is Ava had to have her front tooth removed because it was dead. She fell at the playground one day and chipped it. And then a little bit later, it just turned gray and died. I took her into the dentist and they said that it needed to be removed. So she has one front tooth and will have one front tooth until her other adult teeth grow in. Um, so anyway, they they take the tooth out. They put it in this little box for like the tooth fairy So I bring it home and I set it on the counter and at some point during the day, the kids got into this bag and box and the tooth is missing. So we were planning to do the tooth fairy thing, but I can't find the damn tooth. I don't know where it is. I've vacuumed since then, so I'm sure it's vacuumed up somewhere or I have no idea. Anyway, so my mom fail is losing my child's first tooth and having to just do the tooth fairy without the tooth. And I'm sure other moms have done this. Teeth are small and they're easy to lose. And I maybe just wasn't, didn't put it in a safe enough place. Kids got into it, whatever. That same day, my kids were on a roll. I was doing dishes or something and I hear Ava crying upstairs. I go up there and she's got my bathroom door shut and she's like, help me. And I open the door and she has poured an entire jug of milk bath on the floor in my bathroom and she keeps trying to get out of the bathroom but keeps slipping so like she could every time she'd try and open the door she'd slip and fall so she's crying and trying to get out so I lift her out and there I kept calling it a slip and slide um, because I didn't know what else to call it but they had created a slip and slide so I had to go in there and and try and get all of this milk bath off the floor without slipping myself. It still smells like milk bath in my bathroom. And I'm pretty sure there's like a film of milk bath, no matter how many times I clean it. So those are my two mom fails. Same day. It was a wild ride this week, you guys. Just wild. Here's some of the other mom fails that were submitted. 
Okay, this one's funny. So a mom's at the doctor's office and she is trying to keep her child's binky from falling on the floor. Her legs were crossed and when she bent down, she accidentally kicked the kid in the head right in front of the doctor. And I want to know if the kid cried and what the doctor said. That's so funny. I, one time we were walking, I don't know if I've told this story on here before. Maybe I did. We were walking, it was around Christmas time in the Target parking lot and Sam was throwing a fit and I was kind of like grabbed his arm, not grabbed it, but I was holding his hand and like walking and kind of just like telling him to come here. And I ran him into the rear view mirror on another car and he hit his head and the driver happened to be sitting in the car. It was the most embarrassing thing ever. And the driver like looked at me and was laughing. It was funny, but also very embarrassing and a mom fail. So, and maybe I've told that on here before. So that's what it reminds me of. Next up, we have a mom who forgot to feed her kids lunch on Wednesday. They didn't have school and my schedule was all off. I called them for dinner and they asked what happened to lunch. Whoops. I know that if this were my kids, they would have definitely noticed if they had missed lunch. I am so shocked that your kids didn't say anything to you because I feel like mine eat all day long. Like they never stop eating. Sometimes I don't even know if they've had a meal because all they've done is snack all day. So kudos to you that your kids like didn't even (laughs) say anything until dinner. Also, I think that that probably has happened to everyone at some point because it's hard to remember to feed yourself, let alone kids on a day when you that isn't part of your day-to-day routine. The next one is my two and a half year old watched four hours of Mickey Mouse the other day. And this one, like, I would be lying through my teeth if I told you that we follow the American Academy of Pediatrics screen time recommendation in our house because we absolutely do not. And I don't know if like a parent is on the board of the American Academy of Pediatrics, but they recommend less than a movie. Like, I don't know who gets an hour into moving. It's like, oh, sorry, kids, got to finish it tomorrow. Definitely not me. And I don't know, we're a TV family. This isn't necessarily a good thing, but the TV is kind of always on in the background at our house or movies. So uh, I don't know. It's a hard one. TV is a hard one, especially in a global pandemic. Like if you haven't increased screen time in the pandemic, then I don't know who you are. And you probably didn't use screen time at all before because it has only gotten worse during COVID. And I think, I don't know, there's so many times I just like get on a phone call for work or something. And then I realize like my kids have just watched Mickey Mouse for an hour or two or whatever. So four hours, whatever, they'll be good. Next up, screaming at my daughter and throwing her stuffed animals. Guess I was the kid then. Um, You know, every mom deserves a tantrum and a timeout occasionally. Like, I think it's okay. Every mom deserves to lose it sometimes. And I have never met a mom that hasn't lost it sometimes. So more power to you. It's okay to be the kid sometimes. As long as we talk about it after and repair after, then we're all good. 
this reminds me of a funny story um, because Tim and I were having an argument in front of our kids and Sam starts singing the song from Word Party, Let's Not Fight, It's Not Right, So Let's Not Fight. I mean, seriously, we weren't arguing about anything like big, but we were going back and forth and I don't even know if our voices were raised, but it was interesting that he noticed and he schooled us. Like he sang that song to us and we looked at each other and kind of laughed and we're like, yeah, this is stupid. Let's not argue with each other about it. So I got schooled by my five-year-old about relationships this week. Okay. I definitely saved the funniest one for last. And this may be the funniest mom fail I've ever heard. Okay. Ready? We were sitting in Sacrament. Oh, I got to pause. So if you're not from Utah, Sacrament's just like a church meeting. So you're sitting in church one Sunday when an elderly woman behind me started quickly tapping me on the shoulder. I turned to look at her, pointing at my then three-year-old son who had an unwrapped, tucked-in tampon in his hand. I looked just in time to see him hit the bottom of the tampon, sending it flying across the congregation. Then he yelled, it's like a rocket. And this kid's my hero. I seriously, I I don't know what I would have done in that moment. I probably just would have laughed and turned bright red because there's nothing else you can do. And I love it. And <laughs> I just can't stop thinking about it. This is a story that is going to be laughed about for the rest of this child's life. And I love it. Okay. Well, I hope you all have a great week. We will be back next week. Don't forget to be peace, be love, be mindful as a mother. If you want more of Mindful as a Mother, you can find me on Instagram at Lynn's underscore Adams LCSW. Once again, at Lynn's L-I-N-D-S underscore Adams L-C-S-W